here's my question for us today. Who's the next Mary in this audience? Who's the next Martin in our audience? Are they in this room? Are they watching online? God's calling you to do something. And are you willing to say, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word? That's why Christmas is significant, for God's still calling people to do great things, even in and especially in our culture today. The question for us is, are you willing and ready to do what God is calling you to do? Welcome to Entrusted Ministries with T.K. Anderson, the senior pastor of Compass Church in Monterey County, California. Thank you for joining us. We are in the five-week series about the promises of Christmas. Why is the promise of Christmas one of the most significant promises in the Bible? Well, that is precisely what Pastor Anderson will answer. Let's join today's message. I want to start the sermon with a question. Have you ever made a promise you couldn't keep? Now, don't raise your hand, right? You wanted to keep it, but, but uh, as time went on, the ability to fulfill the promise became impossible. Maybe you ran out of resources, or maybe you ran out of time, and the opportunity to fulfill your commitment changed, and you're unable to take care of what it is that you said you were going to. I mean, it really doesn't take a whole lot of research to conclude that billions of people make billions of promises each and every year throughout the planet. We all do it. And on average, we most likely fulfill only a small percentages of all the promises we make each year. In fact, I thought about this week and I discovered here are a few promises that we make all the time to each other and sometimes don't fulfill. How about this one? Uh, don't worry, your secret is safe with me. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> How about this one? You can tell me what you did. I promise I won't laugh. <laughs> Another one, seriously, you can tell me what happened. I promise I won't get mad. How about this one? Hey, I'm busy right now, um, but I'll call you later. Yeah, we never call. And my favorite one for Christians, thanks for sharing that with me. I'll be sure to pray for you. Ooh, got kind of quiet, didn't it? Yeah. Things that we say all the time that we don't deliver on. But it's interesting because it's not just individuals that have a problem with delivering on promises. Did you know in 2014, Red Bull, the energy drink, they agreed to pay a $13 million settlement following a lawsuit that alleged that the drink claimed to give you wings. And I don't know who thought they'd actually get wings from drinking Red Bull, but they paid $13 million to settle it. Additionally, I discovered there's three big auto manufacturers, and they've paid a steep price for assuring impressive fuel economy by knowingly being unable to deliver on their promise. You might recall Hyundai and Kia got in trouble. They settled their dishonesty to the tune of $100 million collectively. And if you think that's a big amount, Volkswagen has already paid out over $33 billion for its 2016 bogus emissions fiasco. Some of you might remember that. You see, when we make promises as human beings, we can only deliver according to our limited resources and our limited knowledge, and that's why sometimes we get ourselves in trouble. Yet in contrast, when God makes a promise to us, he delivers according to his unlimited resources, and therefore he's never short on his ability to carry out what he says he will do. And if you think about it, one of the greatest Christmas, uh, one of the greatest promises in all the Bible is the promise of Christmas, which we know as the birth of Jesus. 
Did you know there are over 300 different prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Jesus? Those are 300 promises. In fact, here are just three of them that were written over 600 years before Jesus was born. These are promises that God made and began to fulfill on the very first Christmas. Let's take a look at, let's take a look at the first one on, on the screen. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. This prophecy predicted that the Messiah would be born in the town of Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Isaiah 7.14 predicted that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Here's what the prophet wrote. 700 years before Jesus was born. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Jeremiah, the prophet, in verse 23, verse 5, he predicted that the Messiah would be born from David's lineage. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line, and he will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the entire land. You see, friend, when God gives a promise, things are a bit different. But I can sense a question in the audience. Yet even if that is true, so what? What does it mean to me today that God can keep his promises from long ago, from 2,000 years ago? Well, today, if you hang with me in this message, we're going to find that when God makes a promise to us, it means five things. And these five things will drive us, I believe, to appreciate the beauty of the Christmas story in a new way this year. So the first thing we notice is that when God gives a promise, it's spiritual. So in your notes, go ahead and write that in. It's spiritual. <clears throat> and we'll pick up here in verse 26, Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. The text tells us in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Go ahead and underline that phrase, was sent from God, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So here we find in chapter 1, we find Mary and her relative named Elizabeth in a similar situation. You see, both Mary and Elizabeth were exceptional, uh, God-fearing women. Both had found favor with God, and both were chosen by God for a special task. In fact, Elizabeth was six months pregnant with John the Baptist at the time of this interaction with Mary and the angel Gabriel. How do we know that? The text tells us in the sixth month. It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God had entrusted Elizabeth with the task of being the mother of the forerunner of Jesus. He had also been prophesied about generations before. Check this out in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This passage of scripture from the Old Testament was included in the New Testament by all four of the gospel writers. You can check that out today when you get home. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all included this prophecy concerning John the Baptist in the first couple chapters of their story. So what does this tell us? It tells us to me that one of the most remarkable things about the Christmas story is that it was generated from heaven to earth. Meaning this wasn't some idea cooked up by a room full of theologians and religious people. It wasn't like a bunch of scribes got together and, and at an old wooden table rolled out some parchment and pulled out a couple of pens and said, let's cook up some story this year to really stir up the people. Why don't we make up the story of a virgin giving birth? That'd be pretty cool. 
I think we could really capture their attention. That's not how it happened. You see, this whole plan was designed in the throne room of heaven in the very heart of God. And that means, my friend, that the Christmas story, in essence, is a spiritual thing. And life is like that. It's not just about the things that we can see and feel and touch. There's way more to this life than material things. And if someone tells you otherwise, they're not understanding how life is. Life is spiritual. I like this comment I read once. It said, you're not a human being in search of a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being immersed in a human experience. You see, the first thing we're learning here is that God still interacts with people today. And I got to tell you, friend, I'm glad he does. I'm glad that God connects to us on a spiritual level. There's more to them what we see and feel. I like what Martin Luther King Jr. once commented about the importance of this, because as a culture, if we lose our spiritual connection, we lose out on what God wants to do, and we end up in a mess. Here's how he said it. He said, our scientific power has outrun our spiritual power as a nation. We have guided missiles and misguided men. <sighs> Made that in the 60s. Isn't that true? You see, we need God to intersect in our world in a spiritual sense, because without him, we're a mess, and we see it all around our culture today. So this Christmas at the start in December, on the very first Sunday, I don't want you to get caught up in the hustle and the bustle of all the material things and completely miss out on the incredible spiritual meaning packed into the Christmas story. This year, as your pastor, I want to encourage you, start out the Christmas season with a new commitment between you and God to see and hear God in some new ways and be looking for what God sends your way. I think you're going to be surprised. Now, the second thing we notice is that when God gives a promise, <clears throat> it's specific. It's specific. So go ahead and fill that in, point number two. What do we mean by that? So after uh, Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, he then has some instructions of where he's supposed to go. In verse 27, he's supposed to go to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Very specific things in this text that God is telling Gabriel to do. And as we follow this first scene of the Christmas story, we notice in the text that it's not only a spiritual interaction that Gabriel is having with Mary and Elizabeth, but it's also a very specific interaction. Check it out. Luke records that Gabriel was sent to a specific region, a particular city, a specific young lady engaged to a specific man from a specific lineage. That's pretty direct, all in one verse, isn't it? It's pretty amazing. But God's like that, meaning he guides us in specific ways so we don't get lost. And that's the second thing I think we can learn from the Christmas story, that God doesn't work in happenstance. God doesn't work in happenstance. He doesn't work by chance. In other words, you and I don't have to roll the dice to figure out what God's doing in our life. In my experience, I've seen God work in specific ways, not in misguided ways. Now, I have to tell you, to be straight honest with you, there are times when I don't, I don't understand all the details as I'm going through it, but when I look back on all those details during those times, I can clearly see how God did line up all the specific details as he guided my life to the next stage, to the next level. The psalmist in chapter one, or I'm sorry, chapter 31 and verse three reminds us of this promise. He writes, for you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, Lord, lead me and guide me. Listen, friend, I want to tell you today that if you go all in for God, he's not going to leave you lost. He never will. 
I mean, the other option is you could try living on your own, right? I think some of us tried that before. Some of you are trying that right now. But my experience is when I do, more times than not, when I live on my own without God, I end up completely lost. And I end up asking questions like, how did I get here? This is a mess. I like the way David Jeremiah says it. He wrote this once. He said, the Lord leads his children in the right paths. And as we pray and seek his will, he enables us to make wise decisions to know what we should do and to take each step at the right time. Do you long for that? How to take the right step at the right time? That's called wisdom. And you get that wisdom when you allow the Lord to direct and lead your life. And so what we've learned today so far is that when God gives a promise, it's spiritual. We've also learned that it's very specific. The third thing we see in the text today is that when God gives a promise, it's special. It's special. So go ahead and fill that in. We pick up here in verse 30 and 31. And the angel met with Mary, and he said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You found favor with God. Write that in your notes or underline that in your Bible. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You see, the angel Gabriel finally speaks to Mary here in the story, and he tells her what God's about to do. But he has to tell her not to be afraid because she was afraid. It's kind of a normal response. I think probably the way we all would respond if an angel showed up and started talking to us. He told her not to be afraid because she had found favor with God. Now, we looked at this word favor, you might remember, a couple of months ago. You may recall it's a Greek word pronounced charis. And it's the same word used uh, for the word grace in many passages throughout the New Testament. In fact, it's used 156 times in the New Testament. 130 of those times, this word charis is translated grace. And six of the times, it's translated this word favor that we see in the text today, in verse 30 of Luke chapter 1. What does that mean? Well, it carries the idea that when God gives you his favor or he gives you his grace, it means he's providing a divine privilege upon your life. It's a special benefit of understanding of God or by being used by God for his specific purpose. And so if you're here today and you've yet to hear and understand the gospel message, today God is bestowing his grace upon you. He's giving you his favor today as you hear the message of Christmas, maybe for the first time. You may be here in this room today. You may be in one of our venues. You may be watching online or at a later date. But if you're hearing this message, this is a sign of God giving you his grace today. It's special understanding coming your way of how to understand salvation and what the Christmas message means. But why does God do this, some people would ask. He does this because of his love for us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he what? He gave. The driving force of God's grace upon our life is his love for us. And guess what? Here's the cool part. You can't change it because you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't create it. It comes from God. I like how Christian author and pastor Max Licato, he wrote about this. I like this guy. He's pretty cool. He says, you don't influence God's love. Interesting. Think about that for a minute. You don't influence God's love on your life. Why? Well, you can't impact the treeness of a tree. You can't impact the skyness of the sky or the rockness of a rock. In the same way, nor can you affect the love of God. Why? Because he loves you because he decides to. So there's nothing you can do to make God undecide to love you. Does that make sense? 
Some of y'all need to hear that today. God loves you because he decided to. Think of it this way. What we're learning here is that God is working within the margins of who we are as an individual. You see, God didn't show up to Mary and tell Mary to do something crazy, right? When I, when I talk to people as a pastor, probably this is one of the most common things we get is, if I go all in for God, if I sell out for God 100%, live for him wholeheartedly, more than just doing some Christian things each and every day, I'm afraid God's going to make me do something crazy or something silly. He's going to make me stand up in front of my whole high school class and preach a message like the Apostle Peter. Or he's going to send me to Africa to be a missionary in a village somewhere I don't want to go. Or Papua New Guinea, right? And we're afraid that God's going to make us do something that we don't want to do. That's not what God's going to do. God works inside of the margins of who we are, who he designed us to be. Think about this. God didn't ask Mary to preach a message of repentance alone in the wilderness. No. He assigned that task to John the Baptist. God didn't ask Mary to be a fisher of men. He assigned that task to two brothers, Peter and Andrew. God didn't ask Mary to provide protection, secure provisions, and raise her son in a trade as the son of God grew into a man. No, he assigned that task to his earthly father, a man named Joseph. God didn't assign or ask Mary to carry the gospel into the four corners of the Mediterranean world. He assigned that task to a guy named the Apostle Paul. And God didn't ask Mary to carry the burden of the cross and to sacrifice her life for the sins of the world. No, he assigned that task to himself. You see, friend, God's not going to assign you something that you weren't designed to handle. And some of you need to hear that today. So you now can no longer be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's got good things in store for your life. And when we get into alignment with what God has aligned for us, it's special. And in that place, you will discover God's grace in a new way. And you will experience his favor in a way that then allows you to settle down and allows you to rest in his presence and let go of your fears. So we've learned today three things already. When God gives a promise, it's spiritual, it's specific, and it's special. What's the fourth thing? When God gives a promise, it's stirring. This is the part where you got to buckle up. Lean over to your navel. Buckle up. Here it comes. It's stirring. Mary found out what the angel told her God wanted her to do, and it was in her ability to do so. And she said to the angel, how will this be? What is this, nuts? This is crazy. I'm a virgin. How can I have a child? Now, obviously, I don't have to get into the specific scientific details of all of this, the miraculous nature baked into this story, but a virgin giving birth? How can that be? It doesn't make any sense. It's stirring. It stirs the imagination. It challenges the mind. It challenges the heart and the soul. I mean, think about it for a minute. Here's Mary. She's minding her own business. She's not bothering anybody. She's a young lady in her early teens living in a small town with little fame. In fact, Nazareth, her town, was looked down upon by all the other surrounding villages of her day. Check this out in John chapter 1, verse 46. Even Jesus' disciples got in on the territory of making fun of Nazareth. Nathaniel says to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This wasn't a question. This was actually a sarcastic statement. They all knew the answer. The answer was no. He knew the answer was no. This town was on the wrong side of the tracks. It was in the low rent district. Nobody wanted to live from Nazareth. Yet in this town, 
through this young lady, this is where a miracle was about to take place. You see, friend, and this is what I mean by this is stirring because don't miss the front end of the Christmas story. God was working in a way and he was working in a place that was very unlikely. And he still does that today. You see, during the time of Mary, there was a horrible king ruling over the area of modern day Israel. His name was Herod the Great and he got his authority from the Roman Empire, but he was not great at all. In fact, he was a terrible king. He was an even more horrible person. He had several members of his own family killed because of jealousy and envy. And we know from the biblical narrative, after hearing about the birth of Jesus from the wise men, Herod ordered the massacre of all male-born children under the age of two near the town of Bethlehem. He was a petty man. He was cruel. He was, he was punishing. He was a political leader that worked hard to climb to the top. He was manipulative and he was manic. He was part of a corrupt system that glorified selfishness and took advantage of the honorable. Sound familiar? Sounds a little bit like our day too, doesn't it? So don't think for a moment that God has given up on this country. Don't think for a moment that God has given up on this nation. Don't think for a moment God has given up on this culture because in the darkest times, that's when the light shines the brightest and God is up to something new. Amen. You see, this is the world that God was about to upend in the biblical story. This was the place God was about to overturn. And how was he going to do it? He would do it through a humble person, Mary, from a lowly village, Nazareth, at a time of great political unrest. And when you think about it, it is stirring. And so what we're learning here is that God stretches our understanding of what's possible when we look at the Christmas story. So I don't know what your situation is coming in today. Some of you are coming in with a situation that seems to be impossible and you don't know the way out. Allow God this Christmas season to stretch the possibilities of what he can do in your life when you surrender your heart over to him 100%. Let's look back at the text. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's the same question we ask God. God, how will this be? God, how will this happen? Is it even possible? God, have you forgotten us? Have you forgotten me? I can tell you, friend, God hasn't forgotten you. Amen. And that's the beauty of the Christmas story. God's still in the miracle working business, friend. He has not stopped. So whatever your situation is today, Amen. know that God is working as you call out to him. And I got to tell you, don't be surprised when he stretches your level of understanding as he delivers you the answer. Okay, so we got four things we've learned. When God gives a promise, it's spiritual, it's specific, it's special, and it's stirring. What's the final and fifth one? We notice that when God gives a promise, it's significant. Okay, so there's a lot of back and forth in verse 26 all the way to verse 38. And we're going to go right to verse 38 after all the conversations Mary and Gabriel have had. Mary finally says to the angel, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. If you have your Bible with you, underline that or write that phrase in. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, don't miss this part, the fifth point. It's actually, to me, the most significant part. Because the most significant element concerning the promise of God's son is the meaning that he brings to each individual life. You see, friend, the coming of the son of God 
isn't intended to affect the world in some general sense. No, it's intended to affect your world in a personal sense. That's the story of Christmas. It's significant because Christmas requires a response from each and every one of us. I like how C.S. Lewis commented on this. He was a great writer and Christian thinker of the 20th century. He wrote it this way. He said, you and I must make our choice. Either this man Jesus was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend us to. You see, Christmas is significant because it draws us to a point of decision. As the full news of this angelic message settled in on Mary's countenance, she mustered up the strength to give a response. And it's a fascinating response. Her response is every bit as strong as the internal character this young woman had. She fearlessly observed, let it be to me according, God, to your word. I got to tell you, when I read that, I think, wow, what courage, what strength, what fortitude from this young lady. Have you said that to God? Have you said to God, let it be to me, God, according to your word? Have you offered your life to him in this way? In other words, in our day and age, whatever you want to do with my life, God, I'll go do it. You see, it takes courage to say that. Do you have that kind of courage? Mary did. That's the Christmas message. It draws us to that. God is calling you and I to follow him this Christmas. How are we going to respond to him? Well, thank you for tuning in to today's program. I really hope the message uh, has been an encouragement to you. And if you're going through a tough time, please know that God's always with you and you are never alone. As you trust in his wisdom and his grace, he'll guide you through. If you'd like to learn more about Entrusted Ministries, you can visit our website at entrusted.tv or you can follow us on our YouTube channel at Compass Church, Monterey County. That's Compass Church, Monterey County. Now, for the month of December, if you uh, make a gift of any amount to support this ministry, we will send you a copy of my newest book for Christmas. It's entitled The Promise of Christmas. As our radio broadcasts continue to spread the Word of God, many people are finding Christ, and your support helps us to reach more people with this message of hope and love. I believe that we're living in a time when it's more important than ever to share the love of Jesus with the world. And if you feel called to support this ministry, we'd be grateful for any help you can provide. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray for your mercy and grace to be with all of us as we continue to trust you in all circumstances. Help us to share your love and your grace with the world and to lift up the name of Christ in our country and around the world. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Pastor, for that message and prayer. Entrusted Ministries is provided for you by partners from across America. Entrusted is on over 400 radio stations. Go to entrusted.tv for Pastor Anderson's messages and learn more about Compass Church in Monterey County. Thank you in advance for your support and help in spreading Jesus' love through this ministry. Remember, you are entrusted with a purpose. And until next time, stay blessed and keep tuning in to Entrusted.tv. 
where you will be inspired and empowered because you've been entrusted with the gospel. 